What's up? What? I'm just channeling my mid-noughties youth there, you know? Back when not only did we have to wait for the shows we wanted to watch on TV, we'd actually wait to watch certain adverts. <laughs> Madness. Speaking of adverts, thoughts on the John Lewis advert this year? I've not seen it yet, have I, Heather? We're recording these in advance because of the newest new old friend, our little girl. Oh, yeah. Now, before we get back to Artridge and his investigation... I liked Daisy from yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's lovely. But before we get back to that, time for another round of... Hashtag NovQuiz. NovQuiz. No, 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 NovQuiz. Hashtag NovQuiz. We are still workshopping the song. Okay, now, remember to get your answers to us on social media or through the website. So, Heather, what's the question? Well, inspired by Shakespeare's Christmas show, what is the date of Twelfth Night? Nice. Although, if you're talking about Shakespeare and I ask you what is the question, we all know it's to be or not to be. Anyway. Oh, dear. I, I'm so sorry. Time to crack on with Crimes, Clues and Christmas. Ding, ding. Ding-a-ling. Crimes, Clues and Christmas. Chapter 7. Rudy Lightfoot's dressing room was the same layout as Daisy's, but decorated differently. Where she had a chaise longue, an armchair and a series of small tables overflowing with flowers, the majority of his dressing room was dominated by a large bed, which he was lounging upon when he welcomed me in. How to describe the man? Well, for a start, I should like you to conjure up in your mind's eye whatever you think of when I say the word Lothario, or uh, womanizer, and then make it even more smarmy. A little more. Keep going. Okay, you're getting close now. Rudy was reclining on his bed, which was fitted with black silk sheets and pillowcases with an RL monogram in the centre. The man himself was clad head to toe in black too. His trousers appeared to be leather, but were so tight I wasn't immediately certain he hadn't simply had someone tan and dye his skin like Hyde. It was only when I saw the belt buckle gleaming at his waist that I could be sure. The buckle in question was a silver circle with an arrow pointing northeast, the Mars or male symbol. Tucked into these skin-tight breeches was a sheer black shirt that hugged every ripple of Rui's well-defined abdomen and chest. He'd left the top three buttons undone to reveal a small forest of jet-black curls. He had full lips and large dark brown eyes which he narrowed as he looked lazily at me, like a panther trying to decide whether the prey was worth leaping from its tree-bound perch to pursue. "'Who are you?' he purred, with an accent I couldn't place, but which had spent some time on the continent somewhere. "'I'm Peter Archridge, Esquire. I've been hired by Eldred Rawlins to look into the theft of the jewels.' I cast about for somewhere to sit, but seeing nowhere other than the desk, decided standing was the option for me. "'Ah, yes. Someone was saying that you were asking questions.' He spoke with a lisp, but I got the distinct impression it was an affectation. "'You're Rudy Lightfoot?' Yes, I am the principal dancer here. What do you want to know? He put his hands behind his head, interlocking his fingers between his shoulder-length black hair. There was something about his utter ease in my presence that put my back up. I'm not necessarily the sort of chap that stands on ceremony, but this blighter was pushing insouciance to the point of insult. I cut straight to the chase. Well, for a start, where were you the night the jewels went missing? I was on stage. I have hundreds of witnesses. Although I called them fans. I don't wish to be rude, Mr. Lightfoot, but I couldn't help but notice you didn't lisp when you said witnesses there. 
You are not rude, Mr. Artridge. The explanation is simple. I spent some time in Spain, or as the Spanish would say, I spent some time in Spain. I was dancing there, and I picked up the accent, but it comes and goes. He vigorously rearranged himself in his leather trousers. So vigorously, I couldn't help but wonder if comes and goes was a personal mantra, and perhaps he'd picked up something else on his travels. I see, I said, said, but what about afterwards? After the performance? Hmm. I would have been enjoying the company of some lovely little thing. Could you give me a name? He smiled broadly, exposing his perfect white teeth. I could try. But if I'm honest with you, I am not certain of exactly who I was with on that particular night. <laughs> I would also ask that you don't stir up trouble by asking around too much. My lovers may not be pleased to learn that they are ensemble player, if not soloists. It was a rather convenient excuse and request, but one that I let slide for now. I had other lines of inquiry I wanted to pursue. As you've been quite so frank with me, Mr. Lightfoot, allow me to be frank with you. You're my top suspect in the case, and frankly, your answers so far aren't convincing me otherwise. That got his attention. He pulled himself up so he was sat amongst his pillows, back against the headboard. What? Why would you suspect me? I have it from a number of sources that prior to the theft, you were desperately out of pocket, looking to borrow money from anyone who might lend it to you. I'd slightly misrepresented the facts, but if Daisy had heard the rumours prior to him tapping her up for a loan, he must have been asking around widely. He didn't question my statement, but simply bit his lip and took a deep breath. All right, look, he began, his voice suddenly transformed. The continental tones were gone, replaced by something much more English. I was skint, I'll admit it, totally brassic. I was being bled dry, but I knew a man who knew a man who knew something about the dogs at Dagenham, and I saw a way out. I'm sorry. What just happened to your voice? Oh, damn. Well, you've heard it now. Rudy Lightfoot's just my stage persona. My real name's Ronald, and I'm from Bexley Heath. But Rudy from Europe fits in better with this lot, doesn't he? I was flabbergasted. But I saw you dance last night. You were majestic. Thank you. What's your point? How could... uh... I didn't quite know how to finish my sentence. How could someone like me learn to dance like that? He asked, accusingly. And he had me bang to rights. That's exactly what I'd been thinking. Yeah, I get that from a lot of people like you. It's all just using your body at the end of the day. I was an apprentice to a plasterer who got called in to do the stucco here when I was a young lad. I saw more rehearsing, and I was hooked. Not just because the girls all looked like my mum's china dolls, but by the moves, the lyricism and the music. I started sneaking in to watch them, and remember the moves and practice them in my room when I got home. I took jobs working on the sets, and then I really did go off to Europe. That's when I reinvented myself and got my first job on the stage. I wasn't really a dancer, I was just used to move bits of set around and occasionally lift one of the other dancers. But once I had my foot in the door, I elanced right through it and relevered myself up to where I am now, mate. I was impressed by his tale, but it didn't really have any bearing on the case I was working. Well, Ronald, it's Rudy, he said with fire in his eyes. I worked bloody hard to become Rudy Lightfoot, Mr. Artridge. I'm not going back to Ronald the Plasterer now. Well, Rudy... As uplifting as that story is, I'm a bit more interested in your financial situation and how this Dagenham dog race fits in. Nothing you've said so far counts you out as a suspect for the jewels. Who was it that was bleeding you dry? Okay, this is going to blow your socks off. But sadly, my socks stayed firmly upon my feet as, before Ronald come Rudy could continue, a vast tangle of strawberry blonde hair appeared from round the door. Oh Rudy, there you are. You're needed on stage for rehearsals. Why don't you have the tannoy system on? 
The hare suddenly noticed me and turned itself to expose a pretty face wearing a confused expression. Who are you? Peter Artridge. I'm here at the behest of Eldred Rawlins, looking into the theft... Theft of the Prima's jewels? Righto. Well, I can imagine you'll want to speak with me. Chancellor Constance, I'm in charge of wardrobe and props. Do you mind if I steal Rudy away and we can grab something to eat and have a chat in five minutes? She flashed a smile at me, and I found myself hurriedly agreeing before I really knew what I was agreeing to. I think, had she asked me to staple my softest parts to a piece of plywood, I wouldn't have agreed any slower. In the last couple of days, I've been up close with Marlene Schweinvolger and Daisy Love, both of whom were objectively more beautiful. But there was something about this Chaz that captivated me. Perhaps it was the animation in her eyes, the playfulness around her lips. I don't know. But there was something indefinable about her which grasped at my very soul. She responded to my burbling reply by saying, Great. There's a little pub around the corner from the theatre that does decent plowmans. The staff even sound like farmers. Go grab us a table and I'll be there in five. I'd had time to compose myself now, to acclimatise myself to whatever power Chaz's face held over me, so I was able to utter the following suavity. A pub! <laughs> what an idea! Great idea! Pub! <laughs> idea! Great lunch! Plowman's pub! Great idea! See you there! Great! Said Chaz before disappearing back the way she came. Get to the stage now, Rudy. They're waiting. After she left, Rudy looked at me with a sad shake of the head. When he spoke, he was smiling and his indefinable European accent had returned. Oh dear, oh dear, Mr. Artridge, you are not so smooth, eh? <laughs> Good luck with Chaz. You'll need it. We'll carry on our conversation later, yeah? Yes, yeah, yes we will. I, I need to go and get a table. The pub Chaz had directed me toward was called the Duke of Courland, and it was with great surprise that I recognised the man mountain behind the bar. He was at least six foot six inches tall, with a shining bald head but a dense thicket of blazing red hair under his nose. Jimmy McMickle! I cried in surprise when I saw him. What are you doing in London? I'd met Jimmy and his ma at their pub in Froomley on my way down to the Isle of Richtenstein the previous year. They'd seemed happy enough there and fit well with the more rural life, so it was mildly shocking to see Jimmy in the more urban landscape of London. Well, after all that business on Richtenstein, what Michelle, Duchess of Richtenstein, solved? Um, I think you mean helped to solve, Jimmy. It was I who actually solved the thing. The way I heard it, she saved your life and explained the whole plot, otherwise you'd have been a goner. My earlier delight at seeing Jimmy here had instantly evaporated. It was bad enough he was sharing such reputation-ruining truths, but he was doing it at his customary volume, which is to say, louder than any normal man can shout. Okay, okay, let's agree to disagree, shall we, and say no more about it. No more about it. <laughs> what happened after the case? He scratched his beard with a giant hand. You mean after Michelle had... After the case was solved. <laughs> oh, well, people started coming down regular to visit, like. People are into funny things, isn't they, Mr. Archridge? Like poor old Lady Duplantis told me once, she used to like it when I take my beard and put it... Being well acquainted with the departed Lady Duplantis, I thought it best to cut this anecdote off before it got started. Absolutely, Jimmy, people do have all sorts of strange peccadilloes. But how does that result in you being here? The pub started doing a roaring trade. Ma and me has to take on more staff, including Mr. Talbot from the village. Well, he and Ma here off, shall we say. The walls in the pub are pretty thick, but I could hear them hitting off all night long. Ma ain't shy about letting the world know she's at me, and let me just leave it there. Already that was more information than I wished to have. The image of Ma McMickle, wispy white beard and everything, crying out through the walls in erotic delight, was enough to make me lose the lunch I hadn't yet eaten. Eventually I said to her, 
I said, Ma, I'm off. To which she replied, I thought I smelled something funny. Which I had to hand her. Did make I chuckle. Her and Mr. Talbert gave me a decent sum of money for my half the pub, and I bought this place here. He whipped out the tea towel, which was hanging over his shoulder, spat on the bar top, and proudly polished the phlegm into the wood. Well, good on you, Jimmy, for striking out on your own. How's it going? Oh, we do a decent lunchtime trade, and people like the ale, but I can't seem to shift my cider. I winced at the memory of the briefest taste of Jimmy's cider I'd endured on my way to Pease Pod Bay, but as I was flinching at the recollection, Jimmy clicked his fingers above his head and began beaming like a Cheshire cat. Here, I've had a brilliant idea. Really? What? You love my cider. I'll give you a pint and you can sit in a pub drinking it and make lots of noises about how delicious it is. If I were to sit in a pub and drink a full pint of Jimmy's cloudy, thick, strong cider, I'd certainly be making lots of noises, but they'd be the noises of me bringing up the lining of my stomach. But he had such hope in his eyes that I felt the urge to act charitably towards him and accepted a glass of his favourite brew. It looked like a small aquarium filled with an as yet unidentified subspecies of sea monkey. I was sat staring at it, thinking of the most effective way of ridding myself of its contents, when Chaz walked in ready for our lunchtime date. Interview. Ready for our lunchtime interview. Crimes, Clues and Christmas is a New Your Friends production part of the Comedy Who Done It's For Your Ears podcast series. Written and performed by Fergus Woods and Heather Westwell with sound and music by Fred Riding. New Your Friends gratefully acknowledge the support of Arts Council England in making Comedy Who Done It's For Your Ears. 